97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Went Gill. The gun. Boston Scott to his left. Three receivers left. Hightower to the near side. This time it goes, no, it's a fake. Wentz carries. He's in for the touchdown. He faked the Boston Scott, took it back, and had clear sailing into the end zone. An 11-yard touchdown run by Carson Wentz, and the Eagles score first. Just uh, my decision to go. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the whys. Um, I just uh, elected to go. We executed the play and got the two. Motion. Kendrick Bourne from right to left. Mullins sidearms it in the flat and running with the football as Ayuk for a first down and more. He's at the 10, leaps over a man at the 5, and runs into the end zone. Wow. That is the rookie, Brandon Ayuk, for the touchdown. Wow. Mullins in the gun. Mullins back. Pumps. Fires. Touchdown. George Kittle. It is second down at 18. Wentz back again. He steps up. He is floating it, and it is caught by Fogum, who's in for a touchdown, I believe. Yes, Travis Fogum, of all people. (laughs) Travis Fogum, get to know him. He just caught a touchdown, a 42-yard touchdown from Wentz. The go ball to Travis. Obviously, a limited amount of time uh, on task working with Travis, but uh, that's something that he can do and do well, and he tracks the ball well. And, um, you know, we broke the huddle, and I told him to be ready on that one. And, uh, you know, we, we made a play, and pretty impressive how he not only caught the Ball, but kept his feet in to, to get in the end zone. But first and ten, San Francisco at the 25. Back goes Mullen. He pumps. It's intercepted. It's intercepted down the far sideline and in for an Eagles touchdown. It is Singleton. Alex Singleton intercepts him and the Eagles break it open. Obviously, you know he kind of threw the ball right to me, so uh, my heart kind of skipped a beat and then uh, just caught it, went with it. Uh, you know, and I uh, knew I had to get in the end zone. We talk about it all week, you know, to score on defense. So it was the only thing going through my mind. And like Coach always talks about, uh, next man up. And you don't want to be the weak link. You want to, you know, be the strong link. And there you go. You heard it last night on 97.3 ESPN. That was Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. That was Travis Fulgham and Alex Singleton helping the Eagles upset the 49ers to take over first place in the NFC East. Mike Gill. Hunter Brody, Josh Henning producing today's show, and you out there. Wow. Well, here we go. We got uh, the um, injured reserve practice squad guys stepping in and getting another win for the Eagles. I mean, when everybody's picking against you, enter the practice squad. It's like the replacements. You need Keanu Reeves to play quarterback next week, and maybe they get a little bit uh, of a cushion here. But, look, it's an impressive win. You beat the defending NFC champs in their building, and hung toe-to-toe with them. I loved watching Carson Wentz battle. You know, yes, he missed some throws. There were some opportunities that he probably would have liked to get back. But when you watched him play, he was competing. And he was competing, and I think, while, you know, sometimes when you have those veteran players, they might not hold on to that as much as maybe a young practice squad player, Greg Ward, Fulgham. These players look back at Carson Wentz, and they see that he's giving everything that he has, and that kind of fuels them and allows them to go out there and make a play because they look back, and when they're in the huddle, they see Carson Wentz using his legs, putting his shoulder down, making a first down happen, and I was just really excited for Carson Wentz because it's not like he's back to where he was at 2017, but it's obvious that you're seeing 
seeing him kind of get back into at least a, a little bit of a groove that you can hold some optimism for. Well, the play, I mean, he makes a, yes, he did not play a flawless game last night. There's no question about it. He missed the one throw that everybody remembers. It was wobbling through the air. He's got to make that it connection. It looks like the, dr the way I put that is Thanksgiving, you play football with the family. The drunk uncle who's blacked out, who wants to play steady quarterback and throws a wobbly duck behind you, you get all pissed at him. Yep. That's what that looked like to me. A little wobbly duck. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, Richard Rodgers is going right down the slot of the field, and he throws that up. It looked like, you know, just it was just like, I don't know. It looked like the ball was slipped out of his hand. That's how ugly it was. That play has to be made. There's still things that he's missing on, but the dime he throws to Fulgham. I mean, Fulgham even said it. He said, I didn't even know where the ball was. I just looked up, and boom, it just hit me right where it needed to be, and he makes the catch and goes for the touchdown. So, that was a nice play. I thought the pass that he made to Hightower on fourth down, like that was the one when I was like, all right, that's a dime. right?" And on that wasn't a time, too, where it was a no-brainer go for it. That was a ballsy go for it in that situation. Oh, definitely. But you know where I thought really the difference was? When they went for two. I mean, they go for two, and you're thinking, why are they going for two? That's kind of set the tone for the whole game. And, and literally, I mean, that two kept creeping in the whole game because San Francisco had to go for two. They don't get the two. Then the last opportunity, they have to score a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal because of that two-point conversion. But forget the decision for two for just a second. I thought going for two and that the play that they scored on on the two really got Wentz kind of comfortable and got him in a groove. Like They called a pass play, and he zipped it for the two-point conversion. And I was like, huh. All right, they're coming out. They're going for two. It's almost like Doug saying, "The hell with this. It's now. It's all or nothing tonight." And after that, of course, they weren't nearly as good or as efficient. But that decision there is going to be one that look. We might look back on the year they won the Super Bowl. Not that this team's a Super Bowl team. That's not what I'm saying. But you look back at moments. If this team ends up becoming a playoff team, maybe they win the division. Well, if you're going to make the playoffs in this division, it's because you want it. You're going to go back to that moment, and, and I think that two-point conversion, much like the tie. I mean, people were bitching and moaning about the tie, and I tried to explain last week that that tie, more times than not, it does help you. It was the optics of the tie that sucked, but the tie might end up helping you, and then, boom, with that win, you're going to look back at that two-point conversion. That kept San Francisco chasing all night long. Going back to the tie real quick, the tie to me would have happened regardless even if they still took a shot at it because of how much time was left on the clock and without any timeouts for the Bengals. So you're right, it's more the optics of it. So to me, even if they tried to win that game, they still would have tied anyway and then the feeling would have been different. It's more about the punt. But I think that plays a role with why Doug Peterson was so aggressive early. His mindset going into this was if we're going to score early, we're going to go for two. And I think he regretted his decision so much with the Bengals game that he was kind of telling his team, yo, I'm still aggressive, Doug. I'm still going to allow you guys to go out there and, and I'm going to put the ball in your hands and I want you guys to go make the plays and I feel because he punted the ball last week that almost allowed Doug to kind of take a step back and go hold on let me get back to who I am as a coach fellas when we score early we're going for two so I think it actually played a role in what he did this week in the game plan I think it's a good point is that you know the first drive we go right down and score or not the first drive they went three and out but the first chance we go right down and score if we have the lead and that puts us up we're going to go for two. I'm going to show you guys right off the bat that, okay, I believe in you. We're going for two points right off the bat. I mean, 
Gotta, I, I gotta get handed to him there, man. I gotta hand it to him. I thought, and all night long, you're thinking, why did they go for two? But all night long, when the 49ers, even when the 49ers got the lead, the fact that the Eagles did the two, they kicked the field goal to make it 14-11, they kept them within the field goal. And then when the Eagles scored and scored again, they had to go for two, and they don't get the two. And then again, they had to score. They're down five, so they have to go for the touchdown. And quite frankly, you could question Jim Schwartz a little late in that fourth. I mean, Mullins comes in the game and throws for like 200 yards in a quarter. I mean, come on. You can't take your foot off the gas that there. C.J. Beathard was actually. Uh, Paul Beathard, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. He, they put him in the game. You, you can't take your foot off the gas in that spot. And they got into a makeable Hail Mary spot. I mean, he's only throwing the ball from 35 yards out. If you see the screenshot, by the way, of that last play, Darius Slay saved the game. I mean, they literally had that ball almost caught. And Darius Slay swats it out of his hands. It was way closer than it looked. But I thought both coaches late in the game, look, just like Carson Wentz wasn't perfect, but he was good. Doug Peterson, who I'm hard on, I thought there were mistakes, but I thought that he was good. There was more creativity. I can get behind what Doug Peterson did. But late, both coaches, whether it was Jim Schwartz and the Sticks playing prevent defense or when it's right right before the two-minute warning, Doug Peterson has a package for Boston Scott and Corey Clement and doesn't have Miles Sanders in the game. And Miles Sanders only had a, you know, it wasn't like he was overpowered and had so many many carries to that point, you can't do that. You just can't have Boston Scott and Corey Clement in the game at that point. You got you get a first down, the game's over, you know? And you don't have your best playmaker. He's not even just your best running back. You can argue he's your best playmaker as a whole, and he's not out on the field? That's bad. That, that's just bad. There has to be more to the story. You would think. Yeah, I'm not buying the fact that. The glute, you think, maybe? He's I don't been know. I mean, he had the hamstring. He had uh, the hamstring couple of weeks ago then the glute was this week i mean i i can't i can't imagine I hope you're he right. just decided you know what we have better options but he did kind of allude to it today when he was speaking that it was in the package like that's the package they're kind of looking for in those moments which by the way can we both agree that we talked about maybe Boston Boston Scott having a certain role i'm very underwhelmed with the two backs behind Miles Sanders to this point yeah limited both, action uh, but i think Scott has done very little compared to what he brought to the team last year. A nice spark, nice change of pace. He gave you some, you know, big um you know, big plays in, in, in like the short passing game underneath. Hasn't hasn't been very hasn't been a, a big part of the offense, but quite frankly, <laughs> nobody has really been featured. Fulgham catches the first pass for a touchdown by a wideout this year. Who would have had that in the poll? Yeah, that's a great point. And I want to ask you, so there was a play by Carson Wentz to Miles Sanders, and it was like in the slot area, it was low, and they were pointing out how much open field there was. Do you remember this Bad play? Bad throw. Bad throw, I agree with you. But at the same Can time... catch it. Yes, I love that you brought that up. So that's the way I want to go with this. I watched football uh, I still got to give the no, quarterback the blame. And I'm with you, and I'm with you. I'm not saying that Carson Wentz does not have, you know, I can criticize him in that moment for sure. But I watch this league, and I watch all these games on Sunday, and we talk about it. Russell Wilson throws a ball. DK Metcalf makes a play. Was it a great play, a great throw? Sometimes it's not. The player just makes the play. To me, I think Miles Sanders has to catch that ball. Now, yeah. it could be a better throw. Miles Sanders has to catch it. Imagine if that last touchdown pass was dropped, right, and it was five inches to the left, you know how much you'd be criticizing, oh, Carson Wentz missed that play. It was five inches to the left. No, you know what happened? Travis Fulgham 
made a play. He just made a play. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you have to look at these players, and whether it's a perfect pass or not a perfect pass, sometimes you got to make a play for the quarterback. And in that, in that second and nine scenario, wasn't a perfect pass, could have been better, but I think Miles Sanders has to come up with that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 100%. I'm not saying that uh, he shouldn't have caught the ball. He should have caught the ball. It's not a great throw. It's got to be a better throw. Ten times out of ten, that needs to be a better throw. But you're right. In that moment, on the road, trying to get a win, I need my star running back who's, you know, all offseason long telling you how good he is. I need him to make that play and make something happen out of it. No question. Now, I mean, Ertz, what about it? Ertz had an Ertzian Knights if you've ever seen an Ertzian night last night. Did you see his box score? It was like <laughs> he had like five catches for nine yards. I mean, they have to figure out a better way. Four catches for nine yards he had last night. There's three ways to look at this. One, he's frustrated with the front office and it's affecting his play. Two, teams are taking him away so heavily and saying, hey, beat us elsewhere. Or three, he's not as good as we want him to be at this point in his career. Which way do you think it's really leaning? Do you think it's a combination of I think of it's a combination of teams are saying, we know that's who you're going to, so find somebody else. And... The way they're playing him, when he catches the ball, I mean, he's barely off the line of scrimmage now. I mean, they're not letting him go anywhere. I mean, he had four catches for nine yards on five targets, and he had a long of eight. He had a long of eight. Well, he wants George Kittle money, and you kind of saw the difference. <laughs> it's not that he wants George Kittle money. He wants to be paid between Kittle and Kel like somewhere in that range. He was not asking for – Kittle had 15 catches for 183 yards and a touchdown. At Chipotle, kind of I mean, just unbelievable. Just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but did the Eagles just say, look, we'll let Kittle do what he does, and you got to figure out other ways. You know, I thought Shanahan kind of coached a bleh, game last I agree. Night. I was very surprised because heading into this, I thought, we talked about it on Friday, football Friday, happy hour Friday. I said, Kyle Shanahan is probably going to out-scheme Jim Schwartz. And I thought Jim Schwartz, how about Derek Barnett? How about Avery, Josh Wett? That defensive line was absolutely tremendous last game. Javon Hargrave? He stepped up. He was noticeable, more noticeable than he was all season long to this point. Well, I, thought the defense, the I thought the defensive line maybe was the difference in the game. Oh, no doubt. Barnett was that was Barnett. The, that was the best, <laughs> Barnett best, we've was ever, beast. best we've ever seen him? Pro, uh, yeah, 100%. Because he's going against Trent Williams, who's a, a an all-pro level player, or at least a pro bowl level player. I don't know if he's still as good as he once was. He's a little older, but still. Barnett whipped his ass. I mean, he just took him to the woodshed. Bull and rush. He was hustling. He on that touchdown by Debo Samuel. He had run all the way down the field and was the next closest guy after Epps got posterized. I wonder how much he feels Josh Sweat underneath him. It's like a healthy competition going on because Josh Sweat, he's not perfect, but he makes noise. And I wonder if he feels a little bit of pressure of, hey, Josh Sweat, I know he's right there. He might not be as close as where I am, but he's right there. Maybe it's a healthy competition. Well, going it doesn't on. even have to be a competition. They can complement each other. And if Avery, I mean, how many plays did Avery play and how many hits on the quarterback did he have? He had 15 to 16 plays or so total, hit the quarterback five times. Yeah, I mean, the way that they use him standing up, let him go, I think that's what the Eagles envisioned when they put this line together. You had Hargrave and Jackson and Fletcher Cox. I mean, I thought that those three, Cox didn't play as well because he was in and out of the game, but the other two were such a problem. The guards of the 49ers were getting their ass kicked, and I think that was a problem for Mullins 
and everything had it. And I think the Eagles, Jim Schwartz game plan for they're going to try to go under, 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 get the ball to the playmakers, let them do stuff like that. And I thought the Eagles were very well prepared this time around for that type of offense as opposed to the last time around against the Rams offense. And look, they still had major problems with Geary. He was horrible last, horrible last. He's unplayable. But this Singleton, where the hell did he come from? And Edwards, it was apropos. Edwards comes in on that series. He has two nice tackles in a row, and then he gets hurt and has to leave the game. They go to Singleton, and he comes in and makes a couple of nice tackles, and of course he gets in. I said, who the hell is Singleton? I literally, I had no idea where they got, I mean, no idea he was on the active roster. Really? No, he none. was a special teamers like last season and all. He I don't remember him at all, man. Yeah, he was an aggressive guy. Then once aggressive I heard guy his story, on special teams. Once I heard his story, it kind of came back to CFL play like that. But I'm thinking to myself, this guy in three plays has already done more than Geary. No doubt. And you know what else is crazy about the linebacker position? How many times over the last couple of seasons would Nigel Bradham get a ball thrown right to his hands and he would drop it? Drop it. That was right into his hands. Okay, he wasn't really doing much, but he made the play. And not only that, I heard Mosher talk about this on the Inside the Birds podcast this morning, and he was saying, if you think about T.J. Edwards, let's say T.J. Edwards made that play. Is he running it into the end zone? And I thought that was a great point because – Singleton, he scored the touchdown. Let's say the Eagles just intercept it. Who's to say that that results in the seven points? Running it back and actually scoring the touchdown, you have two different you know, type of players out there in Singleton and Edwards. Who knows if Edwards runs it back or not? So it's just something to kind of think about. Well, you heard what he had to say in the opening monta- uh, model- uh, montage there. Uh, that he said, I caught it, and then my heart skipped a beat. But, uh, you know, we were told this week we need to score a touchdown. Like, that was one of the things that we were told is we have to score a touchdown. And I just, boom, I, I do it. You know, I, I thought overall, you beat a good team on the road. So I, what does that say? This team that nobody picked, nobody gave him a shot. We were all kind of like, this team stinks. It's time to move on. It's, you know, this is... They beat a good team on the road. It's not even that, okay, oh, they beat the Bengals. or oh, They beat the they beat the 49ers on the road. I mean, were were we too hard on them? I mean, are they better than we were giving them credit for, or they still have a lot of problems? I, I think that is where I'm, like, going back. Like, am I supposed to say, wow, they went the 49ers on the road last this week? Well, I feel a lot better. It's definitely impressive, and you do need to factor in how banged up the 49ers were, which definitely plays a role. Would it be the same with Jimmy Garoppolo in there and a lot of their cornerbacks in there? I think things would change without a doubt, but it definitely leaves you optimistic because you're seeing guys out there willing to make plays right now. There's a different sort of atmosphere involved in this locker room where they're just playing more together as a team, and I think if they beat the... Pittsburgh Steelers, then we can have the conversation of were we too hard on them. But if they play the Pittsburgh Steelers and you see something similar to what you've seen over the first three games, well, then I think we need a dose of reality again, and, and then we reassess from there. 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. That is the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. You can send us your thoughts and reaction on the win. I mean, were you impressed? Were you kind of like, eh? I mean... I know that you just said the 49ers were banged up too. But, I mean, literally, you went out there with Fulgham and Greg Ward, who's a who's an NFL player, by the way. He's good. Yeah, I said, like, how the <laughs> hell 
Greg Ward played college quarterback, and somehow he's better than every wide receiver that Howie Roseman has drafted. How is that possible? Well, that's the problem. Now we're looking at this team, and every single year we're seeing all of, do we give him credit for picking up practice squad guys that can actually play, or do we just rip them for missing on all the draft right, picks? Like <laughs> Travis Fulgham now has the most touchdown catches out of every wide receiver on your roster. He was a sixth-round draft pick by the Lions, cut, picked up by Green Bay, cut, Eagles picked him up. And right now, he might be the best weapon you got somehow. Seriously. I mean, he caught a ball down the field. How many times have you seen that happen over the last two seasons? A wide receiver down the field caught one. Well, guess what? Nelson Aguilar is doing it for the Raiders. That's right. Brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call. Four convenient locations to serve you. Visit them online at gmslaw.com. We've got the coach on the other side. You'll hear Doug Peterson from today, what he had to say about the win last night. Where do they go from here? Get your texts in. We'll read them off and react. we got anytime hotline calls to the win. Plus, it was a crazy weekend. Matt Clintax stepped down as the GM of the Phils. John Middleton spoke on Saturday afternoon. We'll react to that. Doc Rivers just had his press conference about an hour and a half ago. So we'll react to that as well. Grayson's grades. Andrew DeCecco. Bob Wankel's going to talk a little Phil's. Casey Joyner. We got two Monday night football games. Jimmy Butler went bananas last night. Holy moly. The NBA Finals. The Baseball Division Series all start today. This is the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. And don't forget, I got Sports Bash cash up to $10,000. I got another code word coming up today at 255. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash. Uh, we'll hear from Doug in just a second here on the Sports Bash Live. Don't forget, coming up, Sports Bash Cash, another chance for you to win $10,000. Some interesting things from Doug on Lane Johnson. Take a listen for that. Also, on why he decided to go for two. A lot of stuff in here from the Doug Peterson day after presser. Every Monday after the Eagles game, we have the Doug Peterson press conference here on 97.3 ESPN. Brought to you by Matt Blatkia. They want to get you approved today. Visit them on the Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township. Scott Grayson has Grayson's grades coming up at 3 o'clock, and we've got a whole heck of a lot on the whole weekend that was. But right now, let's get to Doug Peterson and the Doug Peterson day after press conference here on 97.3 ESPN. Good afternoon, Coach. Why don't Good we get afternoon. started with that? Les, Les, I'll get you to your flight. Don't worry. <laughs> Why don't we get started with Les then? Les and then uh, Tim McManus. There we go. Unmute yourself. Oh, well, we got to un un unmute yourself, Les. There, I got it. Okay, finally. Right. Yes. So, uh, you had a little chance to look at your offensive line uh, on tape after, you know, this morning, I assume. Uh, what did you see? It, it certainly, you know, a solid effort, but there were some stunts and twists and things that maybe didn't get picked up. Uh, how would you assess them uh, after looking at it? Yeah, I mean, they, they played, obviously they played, they played well. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect. Uh, as you, as you mentioned, there were, there were a few games on third down that, uh, you know, we could do a little bit better. We could recognize a little bit better. And, and listen, that just comes from playing, right? I mean, that just comes from getting reps and and uh, being comfortable in there. And and um, but I thought overall they they hung in there. They played tough. They played physical uh, against a really good, active uh, defensive line. And uh, I didn't see Miles Sanders at the end of the game. Is he okay? 
Yeah, Miles is fine. Go ahead, Tim, and then Zach. Doug, what's the, the best Jordan Maialata story you have from his couple years in Philly uh, that speaks to maybe how green he was when he first got here or the development that you've seen since? You know, I, I think the best way to describe Jordan um, when he first came, and, and we've, we've talked about this before, you know, every day that he came into the building here was a new day for him. You know, he, he was kind of relearning, um, you know, the things he learned from the day before. And, and he, he has grown in the three years. He has grown so much um, with just understanding the game of football and how to play the game of football, let alone executing, you know, the offense, right? Um, just learning how to play, just learning how to take a big body and, and move it around uh, differently than, than what he was used to. And, and like I said, he's come, he's come you know, a long, long way uh, in his development and his growth. I, I thought there were some, some really good things yesterday by him. You know, he's a, he's a big man, obviously. He's strong. And, and when, 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 he, when he is 100% accurate on what he's doing on that particular play, it, it's hard for defenders to you know, get around him, whether it's a pass block or, or a run block when, when he's right. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's still a work in progress. He's still like a, you know, a ball of clay that we're shaping and molding and, and, and making into a left tackle. Go ahead, Zach, and then Jamie. Hey, Doug, what did you make of your wide receivers last night? And going forward, how do you see that position shaping up? Again, I thought these guys, uh, both in the run and pass game, you know, played physical. Uh, we made some plays down the stretch. I thought Hightower on that fourth and four, fourth and five came up big for us with that with that catch. And, of course, Travis Fogum, you know, for the 42-yard touchdown. Greg Ward picked up some big third downs for us. Um, you know, and, and these guys will just continue to get better, and, and we just got to continue to keep their development coming. It's um, It's – you know, it's one of those things when you when you play with some young players, you you, you kind of crawl before you can run, and and um, you know that's that's what we're going to have to do. But these guys are talented. Uh, you know, Carson's excited to work with them um, as we as we get the rest of the you know the guys healthy and, and back out on the field. Jamie and then Bo. Coach, um, you know, after a couple of weeks of mistake-ridden football, Carson had a, a pretty decent game yesterday. How much will that help his confidence going forward? How much, as a former quarterback yourself, can one game, one win actually set you on a roll now? I think it's huge for Carson. I think it's huge for our football team to to be able to pull out a win against um, you know a team that was in the Super Bowl a year ago on the road, you know, cross country. This is just it's just great for you know, for our football team to be able to do this. But for Carson Wentz specifically uh, to, to play better and, and, and really to play play physical um, in, in his play yesterday and, uh, you know, efficient in the passing game. There wasn't – obviously there wasn't a, a lot of yardage, but the thing was he was efficient. And there are a couple throws he would he would definitely like to have back and, and all of that. But uh, this is big uh, for him, you know, just to get that confidence, to get the taste of winning again. Uh, with everybody, you know, me included, just to get that uh, taste back and, and just gives you a little bit of motivation, a little bit, you know, something to build on as as we, we move forward to this week. Oh, and then Ruben. Hey, Doug, uh, I know you said after the game yesterday that you guys didn't treat this like a, like a must win or anything, but what was the mood like in the locker room and, and on the flight home? Well, the mood was mood was exciting. I mean, it was it was electric. Uh 
the guys were, you know, excited in the locker room, um, you know, high-fiving, jumping around, hugging each other, just, you know, what you would expect after a win. I, I think, you know, these guys have been, you know, obviously beaten down the last few weeks, um, not only by our opponents, but but obviously by, by what they're seeing and reading and, and being talked about, you know, outside of the building. And I think, you know, you could just see the relief, right, of just, just kind of getting that win and, and Again, going into you know, um, you know, into a place where, you know, against a good team and pulling out that the way we pulled it out, I think um, defensively stepping up with the three takeaways. You know, we had the pick six by Alex, and then uh, just the way our the way our specialists, the way Cam Johnston kicked punted the football, and Jake, you know, kicked the ball, and I just think it was a great team effort, you know, and so that's that's why all that hard work and preparation that the guys put into the week, you know, paid off, and that was the excitement after the game. Ruben and then John. Hey, Doug, uh, you mentioned Miles' um, health was okay on that last drive. It was, you know, we saw Corey out there. Um, what was going on? It, it, was it totally not related to the glute or another injury? Uh, was it a ball security thing, or what was happening with Miles? No, don't don't listen. Don't read into anything. Um, That's why I'm asking. Yeah, no, Corey. Corey is. We we have situational football, right? As you know, first, second, third down. We have four minute football. We have two minute football. We have backed up football. There's red zone. There's goal line. There's short. There's all kinds of stuff. And and we put our backs. I mean, you guys asked me to play our backs more, so I'm trying to play our backs more. So um, Corey was was one of our backs at the end of the game in our four minute offense. He's a little bit bigger back. He's you know he's capable of running between the tackles that way. He's powerful. He's big, and and so by by design, um, by game plan design, uh, he was he was in on those uh, those specific plays at the end of the game. Go ahead, John, and then Kristen. Uh, hey, Doug. Uh, you mentioned the cross country trip, and and obviously it's a new world. Uh, so now you've kind of you've seen it from both perspectives. You've seen it from a team coming in, you going out. How much different is going on the road in this NFL with no fans? Alex mentioned after the big play, you know, there's already silence. So do you find it easier? Is it, is it more difficult or, or is it easier on the road? Well, I would say it's a little bit easier from the standpoint of not having fans uh, in, in the stadium. You know, you're, you're able to hear everything, you know, um, during the course of the game, uh, you know, but the one thing that's that you still have to handle is you still have to handle the travel. You still have to handle getting on an airplane and, and staying in a hotel and, and your, your meetings and and everything like that. You know, then again, I say that it's easier because our players were not allowed to leave the the hotel. Right? We was it's our own little protected bubble when we're on the road. You know, and there's there are no fans, there are no families, guests at the hotel, no visitors to see players or coaches at the hotel. You know, so it's again, it's basically taking Novacare on the road and, and keeping that protected bubble around uh, around our players and coaches. So, from that standpoint, I think it's a little bit easier, uh, but you still have to handle, you know, a three hour time change, right? Going from east to west, and then, you know, playing a Sunday night game and um, and all of that, and that 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 part of it doesn't change. Um, you know, obviously when you go on the road. Kristen, and then Chris. Hey, Doug. So Doc Rivers is being introduced as the Sixers new head coach in just about a half hour here. Curious if you've ever had any interactions with him and any advice as a fellow head coach in Philadelphia. 
Um, I have not had a chance or the pleasure to, uh, to to meet him. I'd love to have the chance to introduce myself and and welcome him to Philadelphia. And uh, obviously, I'm sure he understands the, the the passionate fans and the and the and the media base here in, in the in the in the great city of Philadelphia and the surrounding area. And and um, you know he he's a, he's a veteran coach and and he he understands and and uh, we're excited to have him and, and be a part of our. Uh, our community uh, here in in Philadelphia, and and I uh, can't can't wait to uh, to finally meet him, Chris, and then Dave. Hey Doug, you guys have added some wrinkles when it's come to Jalen Hurts and Adrian Killens yesterday. How can you guys? How can you use their presence? You know, in a limited with limited tape and pre snap motion. Yeah, I think it's important that we find ways to use all our players. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks we've used Jalen Hurts a little bit more uh, each week, and and we're still trying to find creative ways, you know, to, that can that can help us, right? And and uh, we were we were successful a couple of times yesterday. We did have the one drop snap, which can't happen obviously in the game. And with Adrian, you know, utilizing his speed, uh, he, he's a he's a he, he's a faster, smaller, you know, quick twitch type of a guy that uh, we we've been excited about since we've had him and. And, um, you know, just finding ways to, to get these guys involved in the game plan. You know, it's we're in a, we're in a unique situation where we're having to use everybody, you know, and, and uh, everybody that's dressed in uniform on game day is going to have to play in, in some form or capacity uh, that way. Dave and then Rob. Hey, Doug, what happened with Lane's ankle yesterday? Was there a specific play where he tweaked it? And do you have any updates on the guys who got hurt yesterday, uh, TJ Edwards and Rudy Ford? So um, I'll just start with TJ and Rudy. Uh, both of those guys obviously injured in the game yesterday. Uh, it appears right now uh, that that they're going to miss uh, miss some time. Um, not sure that actually you know the length of time, but but there is a chance they 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 miss. Um, and in Lane's case. Uh, you know, just just his ankle was was sore, um, and it, it it's something that you know. Obviously, I, I I don't have that ankle injury or that you know type of injury, but it takes it takes time to kind of loosen up and get warm. And there were just a couple couple plays early in the game where uh, it didn't feel right to him. So, so we wanted to make sure and get it loose and keep it loose. And, and he, he eventually came back and played well in the second half. Is that something you're worried is going to keep lingering throughout this season? I mean, it's, listen, it's going to linger. We're, we're to that point now where every, everybody's body is sore and, 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 the, and the injuries that we have, and they're going to, they're going to continue. I mean, you're not going to get a hundred percent healthy. There's no way, you know, we just don't have time to, to get everybody a hundred percent. It's just the nature of the game. So, uh, he he's a tough kid. Uh, he 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 plays through it, and uh, he's going to have to continue to play through it the rest of the year. Rob and then Dan. Hey Doug, on one of those plays where Carson was split wide, he was getting into it with the defensive back there. Obviously, you don't want him standing out there doing nothing. But what do you say to him about being careful when he's mixing it up with a DB? And, and what do you want him to do in those spots? For the, I, I think for the most part, it's uh, it's probably a little friendly friendly fire going back and forth, you know, between the two. I don't think there's anything seriously. I mean, I'm, you know, if anybody takes a quarterback split out as a wide receiver serious, then you know uh, maybe we should do it more, right? Uh, but um, you know, obviously he knows when he's out there, he does have to protect himself because 
a DB, you, you never you never know, right? You never know if somebody wants to take a shot, you know, when the ball is snapped. So he has to protect himself. We, we talk about that, you know, each week with him uh, when, when we when we use these plays and um, just want to make sure that, that he understands that, uh, you know, that's it's not a playoff, right? I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's an important aspect of it, and uh, but I'm sure the, uh, the 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 chippiness was probably just friendly banter, as they say. Dan, and then Mike. Hey, Doug, uh, you're through the quarter mark uh, of the season. What have you learned about your team through these first four games, and what has really stood out to you? I, I think the one thing that has really stood out this first um, this first month. Um, you know, is is just how resilient this football team is. You know, we we have not played our best football. I, I don't feel. Um, you know, we we've we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot. You know, in the first uh, you know three four weeks here, uh, finally overcame some of the mistakes yesterday to to put ourselves in a position to you know be in first place in the NFC East. But you know, there's a long long road road ahead. You know, we we've. We got to learn from the first four weeks, but at the same time, and, and, and learn from it and carry it, carry it forward. And uh, we just got to keep working. And, and um, this is what I appreciate about our guys: is, is they come to work every day, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the what the situation. They practice. It's always been a next man up mentality, um, and and they go to work. And, and that's uh, that's that's what I've learned, and and that's what's going to carry us, uh, you know, these next four weeks. Mike and then Nick. Hey, Doug, I know we've asked you about Travis a couple of times over the last 24 hours, but what did he show you during training camp in the last few weeks to kind of earn that promotion other than, you know, a bunch of injuries popping up? And did you guys have any interest in him when he was coming to the draft last year, if you remember? I, I do remember him in the draft. And, you know, we had some, we had some good grades on him and, um, you know, and, and, and really liked him, um, you know, at the time. Uh, but but he 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 was somebody that that we definitely um, when when he became available to to, to grab and, and grab him and and get him in here and and get him working and you know he's just he's just a kid that again he just he just comes to comes to work and enjoys coming you know and enjoys enjoys being out there on the grass and being around his teammates and he, you know he was making plays against our defense and. Um, you know, on the scout team and, and, you know, making flash plays. And of course he was working on special teams as well. And, and, uh, you know, felt obviously, you know, with the injury situation at receiver spot, you know, he earned it. He earned uh, an opportunity to, to come up and, and, and play. And, and uh, he played well yesterday, had the big catch for the touchdown and it was great to see. We'll wrap it up with Nick Martin and Ed. Hi, Doug. Uh, just following up on the earlier question from Zach about the future of the wide receiver spot. I mean, uh, when you do get everybody back, you're, you're probably going to have some decisions to make. You're going to have maybe a log jam there. And so just kind of keeping with that, uh, you know, does, does Travis earn a spot? I mean, has he done enough? Uh, you, you're going to have to make, make some, some decisions there. Uh, what do you, how difficult is that going to be? Well, I, I hope, honestly, I, I hope we have those tough choices to make, um, you know, with the guys we got, the guys we got coming, you know, down the, down the pipeline here. I mean, that, that, that's a, that would be a great situation because right now we're, we're not in that situation. So, uh, it'd be great to have those choices. And, um, you know, quite honestly, we'll, we'll figure that out when, when we get to that point and we cross that bridge, 
Um, but right now, you know, obviously with a guy like Travis, he's earned a spot to to come up and play and, and help us, uh, you know, compete and, and try to win on Sunday. Martin. Hey, Doug. Um, on defense, you guys got, like, really good production from your defensive line, especially, like, Jannard Avery. I think he had, like, five quarterback hits and 16 snaps. Um, what have you been seeing from him? And, and and if you could also just talk about the defensive line play in general. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think the, the D-line has really improved each week. Um, and, and they've really started coming into their own. Uh, we're getting really good production, good pass rush out of whichever four, the combination of four or five, you know, that are in the game at one time. And so that, that's really good to see because of what it's doing is now we're putting pressure on the quarterback with those four guys or with those five guys. And, and uh, it just helps out your secondary when you can, when you can do that. In the case of Jannard Avery, again, he's another one that just has just improved each week. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's a guy that's, he's, he's low, he's compact, he's quick, he can bend and, and he's strong. If he, if he gets his hands into your chest, I mean, he can, he can push, you know, push a tackle back into the quarterback. So he, he's learning, you know, he's learning the scheme. He's learning how to play within the scheme. Um, and, uh, you know, he had really good production yesterday. Wrap it up with Ed. Hey, Doug. Um, Zach Ertz continues to attract all kinds of attention. Is there anything more that can be done to scheme him open, or is it just going to be the way it is until maybe some of your more proven guys like Deshaun and Alshon come back to kind of take some of the focus away from Zach? Yeah, you know, obviously he he commands and, and gets a lot of respect, you know, from from our opponents, and, and it was no different yesterday in the game. And, you know, we, we can do things uh, with him, move him around by scheme. Um kind of hide his splits a little bit, do some different things that way to, to help get him open. But for the most part, he knows he's going to have a, you know, a challenge. He's going to have either a safety or a, a third corner, potentially a bigger corner that's going to guard him, you know, particularly on third downs. And, you know, that's just what he, um, he understands. And, um, you know, he, he, he keeps he keeps competing and keeps battling, you know, and and uh, so it's a, it's a little of both, right? Some by scheme and and some by some by the defense. There's just uh, um, you know ways that we got to continue to to find uh, opportunities with him. Thanks, coach. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. All right, that's the Doug Peterson day after press conference here on the Sports Bash, brought to you by Matt Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. Matt Black, sixty two eleven Black Horse Bike Egg Harbor Township. Miles Sanders, the stuff he talked about with him I thought was kind of interesting. Also, Lane Johnson, he kind of said, huh, he's going to be in and out all year. This might be something. I want to get into the offensive line play. We'll do that. We got plenty more to go. Grayson's greats. I think Wentz had a D for three straight weeks. I wonder what the grade was this week. We'll find out with Scott Grayson. Also, Bob Wankel. Matt Clintac mysteriously, quote-unquote, stepped down on Saturday afternoon. I went back and listened to the full John Middleton press conference. There was a lot of things in it that had me raising my eyebrows. We'll get into that with Bob Wankel at 4.30 today. It's a Sports Bash plus Sports Bash cash, a chance for $10,000 today at 2.55. Off-season. By no means are we a finished product. What off-season? It's football at 4. Sports Radio Talk Show. The Sports Bash.
with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, a lot to dive into in this game still. Grayson's grades coming up. I thought the offensive line today, Doug talked about Jordan Maialata, but just in general, you know, Lane leaves the game. They got to go to Driscoll, and then Lane comes back, and then he left again. Then I think he was back again later on. I mean, the continuity there, kind of tough, but Driscoll, Herbig at left guard. I thought Pryor struggled a little bit, but Maialata for never playing a game before, other than the, the obvious false start penalty. He seemed to have held his own a little bit over there. To be able to get a win with that group of guys up there, that's a pretty uh, it's a pretty good accomplishment there. Definitely. Uh, per pro football focus, one pressure allowed by Maialata and 38 pass-blocking snaps. So definitely pretty interesting. And heading into this thing, he was a project in the seventh round. And as much as we can criticize the Eagles for – Wide receivers, cornerbacks, which matter. Clearly, they do matter. What they do find, though, is offensive linemen. And to think that, okay, what is this, maybe the third year now of Jordan Mailata? At what point is the project over and he's either someone you can play or someone you can't play? And I think this is well, the type of season where you find out. Adam Kaplan on the Inside the Birds pregame show said, these next three games, that if he plays well, that the Eagles should just stick with him. And I don't have a problem with that. And then I would probably move Jason Peters back to the right guard spot because I think Pryor is the weak spot in the line. Right. Oddly enough, we were kind of like, "Hey, why are you playing Herbig? Why are you playing Driscoll?" Pryor was Pryor was the one I thought that struggled the most out of the group last night. So if Myelotta holds his own here, the interesting part would be if he plays really well this year. What happens to Dillard, who was a first round pick? I mean, that's a wasted pick if you'd say, you know what, we're going to go with the seventh-round guy, and he's our left tackle. And don't be like, yeah, seventh-round. Look, this guy was just a project pick because of his athleticism and size. That was, His sheer athleticism and size is why they took a flyer on him. And if he turns out being your tackle for the next whatever, that's a pretty big thing. But if he plays well these next three, I agree with Adam. I keep him there, and I move Peters back to that right guard spot. I would too, but I would be quick on the trigger on JP because if if he's this bad at left tackle, could he be like really good at right guard? I don't know. I mean, not that Matt Pryor is very solid at right guard either, so it's not like the alternative would be someone that you could heavily rely on. But I just look at Jason Peters, and something tells me inside that he might be just cooked. Maybe. I mean, but he came back to play guard. Some people had suggested he was in more guard shape than he was tackle shape. In other words, a little wider. Yeah. And a little maybe heavier. he was prepared to come back and play guard. It's possible.